Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Talk Witchcraft podcast. Thank you so much for joining me this week. On today's episode, I will be talking about the wheel of the year and specifically the fall equinox. If this is your first time listening to the show, please make sure you hit the subscribe button, which will ensure that you do not miss a single weekly episode. If you're already subscribed, then you know I love you and you know I appreciate your ongoing support for the show. You're listening to Talk Witchcraft, the podcast where we talk about witchcraft as a lifestyle and discover how to merge magic into your daily life. Every week, we'll demystify witchy topics like tarot, astrology, crystals, herbs, and more as you develop your personal brand of magic and create the life of your dreams. I'm your host, Maggie Hazeman. So the Wheel of the Year is a way to recognize the important turning points in nature's annual journey through the seasons. I love the Wheel of the Year because it reminds me to reconnect with the natural world and the fluctuating energy of the sun. And it aligns with my practice of following the sun through each of the zodiac signs as well. So it all fits together for me. Much of the cyclical calendar is based on the agricultural timings of planting crops in the spring, watching them grow throughout the summer, harvesting in the fall, and resting and preparing for next cycle in the winter. Now, many of us modern people who are not farmers don't necessarily need to be preoccupied with this agricultural calendar. However, there is something to be said for aligning with these themes throughout the year. There are four solar holidays in the Wheel of the Year, and this just means that they are related to the position of the sun, and the dates of these holidays will differ slightly from year to year. So the solar festivals are the spring equinox, the summer solstice, the fall equinox, and the winter solstice. So we'll be focusing on the fall equinox today because this date is approaching in the northern hemisphere. For any southern hemisphere listeners, this would be the spring equinox. So check out the show notes for more information about that by going to mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash zero two zero. Now there are four other sabbats or holidays of the wheel of the year, and they are known as fire festivals. So these are Imbolg, Bjolten, Lunasa, and Samhain. So throughout the year, I would like to do an episode about each of these holidays or sabbats, but for today, let's just focus on the fall equinox. As I mentioned, the dates of the solar festivals shift slightly from year to year based on the way that the earth and the sun line up. So the fall equinox is almost always either September 22nd or 23rd. It can also fall on the 21st or the 24th, but this is pretty rare. So you can celebrate the fall equinox on any or all of the days during the two-week period between September 15th and 30th. So since this is an equinox, and at the equinox the sun shines equally on both hemispheres, resulting in night and day lasting an equal amount of time, the themes of this time of year are balance, equality, and equilibrium. So these are important to any celebration that you might have. 
The fall equinox is a celebration of balancing the light and the dark in the physical world in terms of the day and the night. It's also a time to think about balancing the light and the dark in yourself. So accepting the shadow side with the light side. This day marks a turning point as the nights gradually become longer than the than the days as winter continues to approach. And in the natural world, depending on where you are, the leaves may be falling from the trees and other plants are beginning to go into a dormant phase. Some plants may die completely, like annuals. Animals prepare for winter by migrating, um, by storing food, or building mass for hibernation. And depending on where you are on the planet, these changes may not be noticeable. The closer you are to the equator, the less of a difference you can see in the seasonal changing length of days and nights, in animal behavior, and in the plant growth cycle. For example, I live in Florida. It's pretty close to the equator, so the length of days does not really change much throughout the year. But I grew up in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains in Colorado, and that's at this mid-latitude. And there, there are four distinct seasons, though sometimes summer and winter seem longer than fall and spring. And, but the length of days um, was pretty noticeable, it changed throughout the year. And I also remember living in Portland, Oregon, which is pretty far north. And on the longest days of the summer, the sun might not set until 10 p.m., but in the winter, it was setting as early as 4 p.m. So some of this also had to do with the daylight savings time, but the seasonal changes were very noticeable at that high latitude. And then when you think of the polar regions, there are days in the summer when the sun never sets and days in the winter when the sun never rises. And plant life is pretty minimal to observe the changes in plants. But wherever you are on the planet, far away from the equator or right on the equator, at the fall equinox, the day and the night are equal in length. And so that theme of equality and balance rings true. Now I'm gonna share a little bit about the stories surrounding this time of the year from the ancient world and some information about different words people used to call the fall equinox. Uh, before I get into that, I wanted to let you know about a correspondence freebie. It's a reference guide that I created for the fall equinox or Mabin. And you can find this by going to mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash zero two zero and you'll find the show notes for this episode as well as a um, chance to download this reference guide. It's got all the different themes, spell ideas, and different correspondences in terms of the crystals you might use that correspond with this energy, herbs, trees, flowers, animals, um, symbols, all sorts of things like that. And you can include this in your Book of Shadows, um, or your grimoire, whatever you call your magic book, as a reference guide. So now let's get into the naming of Mabin, or the fall equinox. So this word Mabin is a modern way to describe the fall equinox. In 1974, a man named Aidan Kelly coined this word Mabin to, for, as the name for the fall equinox. And it comes from the tale of Mabin ap Modrin, which means the son of the mother. 
And the story here parallels many pan-European stories where an infant or a child is stolen or exiled and later returns as a hero. So when this infant Mabin is taken from his mother, this desolates the land, and it is only restored when they reunite. So you can see why Aidan Kelly found this to be a good metaphor for what happens in the fall. The um, plants stop growing, and then they return to growth in the springtime. And this is a common theme in many celebrations and festivals of the ancient world. In ancient Greece, there was a sacred harvest festival, which is called the Eleusinian Mysteries. And the foundation of this festival was the story of Demeter and her daughter Persephone. So Hades fell in love with Persephone and lured her to his kingdom where he ruled over the dead. And when Demeter learned of this, she refused to allow anything to grow on earth until Persephone was returned. A negotiation between Hades and his brother Zeus allows Persephone to return to earth in the spring, and then she goes back to the underworld to rule the dead with her husband Hades in the fall. And many of the stories surrounding this time of year have this dying god theme. There's the Babylonian god Tammuz, who dies in his field and later is re resurrected. In ancient Egypt, the god Osiris is actually killed, rather than just dying, he's killed by Set and then resurrects with the help of Isis. And you even notice this dying god theme in the story of Jesus Christ, who resurrects in the spring, though his death is not in the fall. But many of the traditions our ancestors followed were based on their environment, their circumstances, and their beliefs. Therefore, the traditions that you follow should also be based on your environment, circumstances, and beliefs. In the time that I've lived in Florida, I've developed new traditions for the changing seasons based on the subtropical ecosystem of my area. In a place where the seasons are really dry and rain, and the plants are constantly blooming and growing, as well as losing leaves and, and going into decay, the wheel of the year requires some adaptation. And this is something I really love about witchcraft. There's a freedom to do things your way. Some of the things that may be traditional for this time of year might not make sense for where you live. The resources like time, money, and energy you have available to you, or what you believe in. So I want you to feel free to look at these traditional ideas and reflect on whether they are authentic to how you practice witchcraft. So back to Aidan Kelly, he chose the name Mabon to create consistency with the other holidays of the pagan craft calendar that he was developing, and they were all Celtic Saxon origin. But the word Mabon is most often used by Wiccans to indicate the fall equinox, and neo-pagans, those who are modern polytheists but not affiliated with a religion, and also eclectic witches who draw from multiple traditions and backgrounds in order to create a pr practice. Um, Neo-pagans and eclectic witches may also use the word Mabin. And some people, like traditional witches who follow the witchcraft practices from before Gerald Gardner brought Wicca into the world, prefer to say fall or autumnal equinox, Heathens, or those who follow Norse traditions, call this time of year winter finding, and Celtic pagans sometimes say Feast of Avalon, where Avalon means land of apples.
So whatever you call it, and these are not the only names, the fall equinox reminds us of our food. This festival represents the slowing of harvests in our agricultural year as crop production decreases and farmers begin preparing for the rest period and making plans for the next year. Since most of us don't spend much time thinking about harvesting crops or worrying about if we'll have enough food to make it through the winter, modern people have different worries and concerns, we can just focus on the core meaning of this holiday. And that is the core meaning of, fall equin of the fall equinox is that our time on earth is precious and we are lucky to be alive. So in some ways, this time of year can be considered the witch's Thanksgiving because a common theme of celebration is to recognize and rejoice in our accomplishments and successes. And we can share our love and gratitude with our community of family and friends. It is a time to be thankful and to celebrate the abundance in your life. So take this time to embrace who you are and who you want to become in the new year. Finish up old projects and relish in this high energy that surrounds this time of year. It's also a reminder that success comes from trial and error and from failure. So this is a good opportunity to reflect on the lessons learned from the year and to start thinking about what you can improve, improve upon in the next year. And since there is this common thread of death and dying in both the stories from ancient people and the reality of what we see in the natural world, this is also a reminder that sometimes those that we love leave us or pass away and it can be an opportunity to honor those who came before us, and sometimes this is a time of grief. So before we close, I'm going to share some of the ways that I like to celebrate the fall equinox. The first way is to count my blessings. I already mentioned that this holiday is considered the witch's thanksgiving, which means acknowledging and celebrating the things you are grateful for. A long time ago, I created a habit of writing on a slip of paper every time I felt gratitude and sticking the paper in a jar. And each year at the fall equinox, I read them as part of a ritual. I light a candle, sometimes pink or red to represent love, yellow for joy, green for abundance, or white, or some other color depending on what I have. I watch the flame and I breathe deeply to calm my body and my mind. Then I empty my blessings jar, and I choose slips of paper at random. As I read them, I allow myself to be transported back to the time or place when I wrote it. And as I read these blessings, I keep some of them to return to the jar later, and I burn the others to release the memory. This is sort of an in-the-moment decision, and there's not really any rhyme or reason to it. It's just whatever I feel. But after reading every slip of paper and feeling like I've completed the ritual, I reset the jar, so I clean it physically with soap and water, and then I also clean it energetically with smoke. And then I return it to its place on my altar, I replace any of the slips of paper I've decided to keep, and I make new paper strips so that I can easily write my moments of gratitude over the course of the next year. Now, if you don't have a blessings jar already and you want to start this practice, then you might want to use this fall equinox to charge your blessings jar. 
So you can light a candle in any of the colors I mentioned before, or you can choose a different color candle. And then calm yourself with your breath. Spend some time reflecting on your previous year and acknowledging your blessings as you hold the jar or a bowl or some other vessel that you want to use for to hold your your blessings throughout the year. Now, visualize whatever blessings feel, look, sound, or smell like to you. So maybe you visualize that the jar is glowing like a bright light is inside of it. Or maybe it feels warm. Or imagine the smell of apple pie. Or a humming sound. Or, you know, any however visualization comes easy, most naturally to you. Whichever sense you want to use. And however you experience a blessing. And then once you have had this visualization, then it's time to place your blessing jar in a place of honor with slips of paper and a writing utensil nearby so it is very easy for you to record your blessings throughout the year. Now another thing I like to do at each of the sabbats is to go outside and visit the same place in nature and then I observe the changes that I can see. So I bring a journal with me and that way I can draw and write about the scene and I also like to collect one thing from nature that really stood out to me so something that I um, was drawn to that day, and I will bring that home as a representation of the season. So I'll place it on my altar or some other place where I can see it. A final practice that I do at the fall equinox that I'll mention here today is to engage in shadow work. And as I mentioned earlier, the fall equinox is about the balance of shadow and light because the day and the night are equal in length. And shadow work is an important practice where you acknowledge, you accept, and you integrate the shadow half into the light half of your being. So it's not about um, getting rid of your shadow side, it's about accepting your shadow side. And if you'd like some guidance for this process, then please join us in Mumbles Academy and you can access the shadow work for Witches eCourse. And if you would like some other ideas for how to celebrate the fall equinox, then you can read a blog post that I wrote several years ago. Um, and there's a link to this in the show notes. So go to mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash 020. And then and you can find that link to other fall equinox ac- activities that you might like to try this year. So thank you for listening to today's episode of the Talk Witchcraft podcast. In this episode, I shared some information about the Wheel of the Year and how the changing natural world indicates the magical energy of every season throughout the year. I shared some of the ancient stories surrounding the fall equinox and the common themes for celebrating this holiday. And finally, I shared a few ideas for how I like to celebrate the fall equinox that you might like to do as well. You can find out more about this episode by going to mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash 020 and join me next Tuesday when we will be talking about magical activism. Now I hope that you will subscribe so that you are notified about each new episode and I would really appreciate you leaving me a five-star review to help other witches find this show and it's like giving me a gold star on my paper. So you can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Mumbles and Things, and you can join us in the Mumbles and Things Facebook group to chat about this episode with other witchy folks. Just go to talkwitchcraft.com. Wait, don't go yet. 
Thanks for listening to Talk Witchcraft with me, Maggie. If you've enjoyed this episode, I invite you to check out mumblesacademy.com. Mumbles Academy is the place to be for intuitive souls at any stage of their witch path. Whether you are a wildling at the very beginning of your witchcraft journey and are looking for a safe learning environment, a creator who is committed to your practice and wants to develop your witchcraft skills even more, or a sage who is full of wisdom already and wants to share what you know with others, Mumbles Academy was designed for you. With monthly masterclasses and live Q&As, an extensive archive of courses and trainings, and a supportive community to help you along the way with encouragement and advice. Mumbles Academy is the perfect place for you to be as you continue on your witch path. 